Good morning. I'm Mary, and this is Lifestyle Tucson, a program where I speak with nonprofit groups and organizations, finding out how they serve the community and getting updates on current projects. For today's show, I am speaking with Executive Director of St. Luke's Home, Terry Waldman, and we are also joined by Marilyn Gustin, a resident of St. Luke's Home. You are joining me from St. Luke's Home which has a very long history here in Tucson. So I'd kind of like to start off with that. Tell me a bit about the background of St. Luke's Home. Great. So St. Luke's has been around 104 years. Definitely uh, a long time. Yes, a long <laughs> yeah. time. And it started as a TV sanitarium like a lot of other places mm-hmm. 100 years ago in Tucson. And it was actually started by an Episcopal priest whose wife died of TV. And he lived in Phoenix. He came down to Tucson and started the TB uh, clinic. And um, because, you know, Tucson was the best place for that. Stayed at TB clinic for many, many years. And then um, coordinated with the U of A to become a chest clinic. So like in the 60s, when TB started fading out, Mm -hmm. um, even though it's kind of fading back in today, it started fading out then. They combined a lot of the chest diseases. Mm. Um, so uh, St. Luke stayed a home. The TB folks stayed there, but they also incorporated the chest clinic there. After the chest clinic went back to the U of A, um, we became a home for young men from the reservation who had behaviors where they couldn't stay in the reservation. Okay. So they lived at St. Luke's for a while. And then in the 1980s, St. Luke's became a home for women. Okay. And at that point, it was still low-income women and not a much assistance, but there were about 30 beds. Um, and in uh, early 2000, in, in 2000, uh, the board of directors and the board of visitors decided that they needed to expand. Mm-hmm. And that's when we became who we are today, which is a 64-bed um, assisted living, affordable community for low-income elders. Absolutely. It has had a very interesting variety of backgrounds in its time here in Tucson. Uh, I would like to point out, where is it located? Cause it's a, it's kind of tucked away. It um, is. It is. And people say to me all the time, I dr- I've driven by this for, you know, 10 years. I just lived down the street and I never saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 615 East Adams, mm-hmm. which is between 1st and 2nd, just a little bit north of Speedway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a really great location. We're in the Feldman neighborhood, which has a history of all, all its own. Uh, we have a beautiful chapel, which was designed by Josias mm-hmm. Jossler. Um, that was built in 1933, and it's a beautiful community space. Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, mm-hmm. it's a six, which is a 64-bed facility. Beds. Tell me a bit about its current iteration, uh, what you do at St. Luke's, like the mission and vision of your organization. So the mission at St. Luke's is to provide quality of life to low-income elders to age with dignity in assisted living community. And, our, you know, our vision is basically that people won't look away um, mm-hmm. and that every elder will have access to, um, to affordable housing. And we know that that is complicated and difficult, uh, but really important. And I know there's been some recent articles in the news mm-hmm. uh, about the lack of affordable housing for elders and especially elder, elderly women. Mm-hmm. Uh, we provide for men and women, but I would say the majority of our folks are women. We have some men, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but the majority of our folks are women at St. Luke's. 
it's a low-income community, and we are licensed by the Department of Health Services, but also by the Department of Housing okay. uh, to provide the housing for folks who are 30, 50, and 60% of the annual median income of Pima County. Um, it just went up a little bit. It's just above uh, 32000 for okay. the high end. Um, okay. And folks pay a part of their, their income to live at St. Louis. Okay, so is it like a sliding scale type system? So it depends, and the, the, the rates are set mm-hmm. um, by the Department of Housing for the rent, and then we have some service fees. Um, and uh, I would say the, the average that people pay at St. Luke's is about $1,200 okay. a month. It costs about twenty four to 2500 a month to support people at St. Luke's, which is why we thank you for having us here today uh, because we do have to fundraise the rest mm-hmm. of that money, which is typically about 900000 a year. Yeah. yeah. What's the uh, the age um, res- lim- I don't know which word to use. <laughs> Anybody 55, 55 and, above, and old uh, awesome. can apply to live at St. Okay. Luke's. Okay. Yeah, so I'd like to take a little bit of a deeper dive now into what St. Luke's is all about and some of the services and programs that are offered in this facility. Marilyn, do you want to talk a little bit about what it's like to be at St. Luke's yeah. and what it feels like? And then I can add some specifics <laughs> if you like. Well, I find St. Luke's a wonderful place to be um, because, first of all, it's not too big. Mm -hmm. And we really can get to know one another at several levels. Uh, There are activities planned several every day, all the way from games to entertainment and occasional religious services for those who wish. It's, It's an opportunity to live in a situation where there are people available so that nobody's in isolation unless they choose that. Even then, mm-hmm. it's hard to, it would be hard to maintain. What I find so unusual about St. Luke's, at least I think it's unusual, is the easy accessibility we have to staff. Mm. When a place gets too big, that gets hard. Mm-hmm. But here, the staff is not large, but we can get to them. And so we don't need extensive structure to make sure everybody's doing okay and all that because it's right, we're right on top of it all, mm-hmm. and we're part of it all. And the formal activities are one aspect of it, but what happens between elders in the dining room is a huge part of the socialization that happens at St. Luke's. And one of the things that I have found that I, found that I was surprised about is how much mutual care there is among Mm. the residents. We don't always know what's going on with somebody else, but there's a lot of mutual concern. Mm -hmm. And it's more than just gossip. It's a real heart concern Mm -hmm. that people have for one another. And you can do that in a small community. If if we were 250 people, it would be pretty hard Mm -hmm. for that to happen. Suggestions are heard. We don't always get what we want. (laughs) But <laughs> they're always we're always yeah. heard, and uh, what can be given is given. And we're discovering what more ways all the time to build community and to take care of one another even better than mm-hmm. we do already. And so, it's yeah. just a very good place to be. And of course, my favorite thing to say is, "I don't have to cook, and I don't have to clean." <laughs> <laughs> so, do you feel like you have? A, so, so it, you do feel like you have an input in what your life is like at St. Absolutely. Luke's. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, 
whatever our concerns are, there's always somebody on staff who's mm-hmm. going to listen. Mm-hmm. What can happen next isn't, I mean, they have strictures the way anybody would have in a situation like that. But we are always listened to, mm-hmm. and we can always find somebody to talk to. And sometimes people just need to vent. Yeah. But sometimes they have concerns with solutions, possible solutions, that can be implemented. Mm-hmm. And that's always um, a good thing when that happens. And uh, Terry has been really good with us, helping us to establish a residence council so that we now have a vehicle. We're, finding, we're trying to find our way on that one, but we do have a vehicle, a formal vehicle for communication and for listening. Yeah, because I did see on St. Luke's website how you have town hall meetings for residents. Have you attended those town halls? Oh, before? yes. I wouldn't miss a town hall meeting. You've got to know what's going on. You mm-hmm. know? And certain things um, can turn into rumor very easily. Mm-hmm. That can all be corrected at town hall if there's something flying around that isn't. Yeah. That can be corrected. And that's another advantage of St. Luke's size because you don't feel like such a huge thing. And there's always a chance at town hall meeting for anybody to speak their piece mm-hmm. to the whole community. We had, we had an interesting town hall. Actually, town hall is today. Uh, but we've been doing a lot of uh, resident meetings uh, because we have a renovation coming up. Yeah, I remember. Um, starting in mid-November, uh, we are going to finally renovate uh, the resident mm-hmm. rooms um, and the common area. So new flooring, new paint, new uh, everything new in the bathrooms, new doors, um, new lighting. Uh, it's it's a it's a huge pro- project, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we have found is what Marilyn is saying is the more communication is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so meeting frequently has been uh, really important, and. Uh, We've been uh, talking a lot about how we're going to do the renovation, how that's all going to work. And the resident council has been really helping with encouraging everybody to say what they think, mm-hmm. but also to accept the fact that we got a year of some craziness that's going to yeah. happen. And uh, we just need to keep talking about it uh, so that everybody can feel comfortable. The project's going to be uh, about 54 weeks, so just a little bit over a year. So it's like we keep trying to say it's like doing your home. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not be able to use the kitchen for six months, but you're going to have a really nice kitchen in six months. Right. Um, so it's the same with the rooms and, and how we're, we're managing all that. And I, I can't, I, the reason I, I, I'm talking here is because the last, at the last couple town hall meetings, I have been so impressed at the way that the elders have talked and the residents have talked about moving forward with this mm-hmm. this project and the questions that are asked that are just really relative mm-hmm. to uh, to to the concerns and and being able to and some of them have been really funny like what are you going to do with all the men? Well, we're going to put them in the maintenance <laughs> shed. Well, I just wanted to put a tent out back and you know things like that. So, it's been really um it's it's that whole thing about you know the cup half empty the cup half full mm-hmm. the cups half full because in a year we're gonna have a really beautiful community that hasn't been renovated in 22 yeah. years. There's um, another aspect to that that I was surprised by, but I saw it at the beginning of the co- we were locked down for mm-hmm. three months in COVID, 
And uh, the same thing happened then, and it has surprised me both times. Yes, people are nervous about certain aspects of the chaos that's coming up. But on the whole, people are accepting their participation mm-hmm. in that chaos and the things that will be required of us as purposeful so that many people in the house have the feeling that by doing what they need to do, they're actually contributing to the process and contributing yeah. to the renovation. Um, contributing to keeping the house safe was the big purpose, of course, of the COVID lockdown. But I think it speaks to a need that many elders have that they may have had all their life, mm-hmm. but maybe it's something new because of their age and circumstances. They need to feel like they're for something, mm-hmm. that there's a purpose to their daily life. I mean, games and entertainment are great, but they run out if, if a person doesn't have a sense of purposefulness about their, about their days. And resident participation in this process has that color. And that comes from the residents. That doesn't come from the staff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do, I do like how it very much is developing a community that really supports and, like, in a way, sustains itself. And, uh, yeah, it's great that you're able to have that involvement in uh, your, your living facility. You're listening to Lifestyle Tucson. I'm Mary. That was Marilyn Gustin, a resident of St. Luke's Home, also joined today by Terry Waldman, the executive director. So I would like to kind of shift gears. We're going to talk about the Silver Chef. Yes. That's a great deal. But before that, something I want to bring up is the the unique way you handle dining within St. Luke's. Um, I will admit my mother lives in assisted living, and it's it's not the way you guys run it. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like to just touch on that briefly, um, how you have like the extended hours and a little more selection and personal choice available for residents. Yeah, so three meals a day, snacks, there's always fresh fruit available, um, and coffee and tea, and if there's any extra snacks, there's always that available. We have water stations throughout the house, Mm. uh, which is really great. Um, And, you know, the three meals a day, there's a two-hour period, but people can come as they please and and, uh, eat uh, whenever they want with whoever they want, so... Um, we try to, you know, get away from clicks, but you know, yeah. happens you make your bit. friends, you know? <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> um, and the meal choices. I mean, we continue to work on that. Mm-hmm. And I will say that the last year, with all the food prices going up mm. and the supply chain issues, there's things that we can't get anymore. Yeah. Um, and there's things that we are not able to afford anymore. Um, so some of the choices have changed. Um, but there always is choice mm-hmm. in the menu. So there's a main meal, um, and I th- I'd say you don't eat much breakfast, do you, Marilyn? But I would say I don't <laughs> because I would gain weight. On that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say breakfast is probably the most open because they have a meal. I ate breakfast today. I didn't have time to eat breakfast at home, so I ate breakfast, and it was what they had today was a shake, uh, like a protein shake, and oatmeal bacon and toast. I didn't want any of that. I just wanted eggs and toast. And you can get eggs mm. anyway, any style or an omelet, any morning that you want. So I think that is probably the biggest choice mm-hmm. that people have. The lunch meal um, is always what the main meal is. And then um, there is always a salad available or 
cottage cheese or um, sort of a, I can't remember what they call it, but it's like a plate, fruit plate, or it's got a vegetable and a hard-boiled egg, something like oh that. Oh, yeah, what do they call that? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but you can always get that. Yeah. Um, dinner is, uh, lunch is the main meal, basically, in mm-hmm. assisted living, and um, dinner is mostly super salad, sandwich, those kinds of yeah. things. But there's always choice involved. Um, because, you know, food is love, and right. it's really important to have food. We have lots of really cool, we had Oktoberfest. Oh, fun. Uh, last, <laughs> uh, uh, last week, and um, we had pretzels and cheese, and some United Way folks brought us some uh, 0% uh, alcohol beer that we drank, and, you know, it's just really fun, like those kinds of events. We have mm-hmm. a birthday party once a month where we have a cake, and, um, you know, frequently, if there is an event, we're going to have food associated mm-hmm. with it. Um, so. Yeah. Well, food is kind of my love language. That's how I show people I love them is cooking them a big meal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so so the Silver Chef, um, I actually had the delight of attending last year's event. And I think something worth noting is, you know, these chefs are, are very talented. You know, <laughs> they it, and so anyway. You have the next event coming up. Uh, it is, uh, what is it, October 22nd? 22nd. Yes. yes, and it's from noon to 3. It's at the MSA Annex, uh, which is a great place for us to be having it this year. So um, it, it's uh, giving us the space mm-hmm. to be able to. Uh, last year we had it in our parking lot. Yes. So it was a little bit separate. You couldn't see everything that was going on because there's two sides to the parking yeah. lot. This way you'll be able to see everything that's going on. And you're absolutely right. Assisted living chefs are culinary experts. And they have a lot of restrictions because they can't, they have to prepare a meal that is within the nutrition guidelines Mm -hmm. set up by the FDA for for older adults. Um, So they can't always use a ton of butter, a ton of salt, and all those things that make everything taste so (laughs) good in a restaurant, right? Um, But they have a knack, and they have a talent. And um, assisted living chefs cannot compete in an iron chef because they don't work in a restaurant. Um, So this is a way to highlight assisted living chefs and the food that they prepare. And then it's not always, you know, meat and potatoes and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe some soggy green beans. It's really presented well um, and chefs can do that. So mm-hmm. Silver Chef gives some assisted living chefs an opportunity um, to show their wares. And this year we have seven communities competing. And I'll give a shout out to Sal, who's our chef, who will be competing from St. Luke's. Uh, but we also have a chef from Hacienda the Canyon, mm-hmm. uh, which is a watermark community. Hacienda the River, also a watermark community. Ranch Estates of Tucson. Via Elegante, who won last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy won last year. Um, and some chefs from a unique place, which is called Chefs for Seniors. A couple of them will be also competing. And they provide in-home uh, okay. chefs uh, for older adults. Uh, so we have seven chefs competing, and they will prepare a dish. A uh, challenge has been set up by Janos Wilder and Jonathan Mayberry from UNESCO, and that is to use some heritage or local uh, food. So prickly pear, mm. other kinds of cactus, chilies, um, let's see, you know, different kinds of spice that we are familiar with out here, but oftentimes don't get used. Mm-hmm. Pomegranates, uh, 
uh, citrus. Um, so they have to create a dish using that. Um, and then everybody that attends will be able to taste all those dishes. Mm -hmm. There will be a People's Choice Award so that we will be able to say, I like this dish the best. But we do have three local judges um, that will be um, judging their food based on appearance, taste, innovation, mm -hmm. and use of the local product, the heritage product. And uh, we have Dove Le Doug Levy from Feast. We have Jim Murphy from Kingfisher, Sarah Lambert from Noble Hops. Um, and those folks will be judging them. Mm. Um, and it will be interesting. Sarah was an assisted living chef, so it'll be oh. interesting to get her take. Yeah. Uh, she's been out of assisted living for a while, but, uh, but it'll be interesting to get um, her take on it. Um, it's a blind tasting, so they won't know whose food they're tasting, and they will pick the Silver Chef 2022, and that person will get $2,500 for their community. And they, I know last year, Avi uh, Elegante won, and their director decided to give it to the chef, which mm -hmm. was a nice bonus for him. Um, and they also get a Silver Chef trophy that mm -hmm. they get to keep for a year. And the bra yeah, the bragging rights. Bragging rights <laughs> is huge among yeah. chefs. Uh, <laughs> chefs are uh, an interesting uh, breed, and I love them. And mm -hmm. um, they, they definitely will have bragging rights uh, when they win. But it's a really fun event. We have a DJ from L.A. that's going to spin oh, some tunes for us. There'll be Jamaica and Prickly Pear Lemonade. Um, for everybody to drink with water also. And then um, we will have a raffle okay. uh, this year. And it's uh, uh, these great baskets. Uh, we have like an Italian basket. We have a family game basket. And many of them have gift certificates to local restaurants, mm -hmm. local, uh, local companies. Um, and it's going to be really fun. Raffle tickets are $10 each or 5 for 40 mm -hmm. yes. So you can purchase tickets to the event, you have to go to our website, uh, stlukeshometucson.org, uh, um, or you can call 520-526-2035 to buy tickets. Um, they are $35 for general admission, which gets you all the tasting and all the beverages and everything else we offer. But we have a VIP tent. Mm -hmm. The VIP tent is $75, and the probably the most uh, coveted in the VIP tent is shade. Uh, we will have shade, uh, but we also have a, another uh, local chef, David McGeehy, who will be preparing food in the VIP tent. Okay. He's an assisted living chef. Um, he will be preparing some delicious street tacos, so it would be an extra dish. And then also, Sal, um, our chef, will be preparing a dessert. So if you, um, if you buy the VIP tickets, you'll get two extra dishes and shade. Um, and uh, all the proceeds will go mm -hmm. back into supporting yeah. the residents at St. Luke's Hall. Definitely. And that's definitely the part really to, rem to keep in mind right. um, to attending this event is that it's all going to help out St. Luke's Home and the ability to offer this high quality care. And so I, I would like to call out a couple sponsors because we Absolutely. have some big ones yeah. this year. Desert Diamond actually mm -hmm. came in oh, as wonderful. a big sponsor for us this year. Tucson Medical Center and Tucson Electric Power and also RSVP that sent out some nice little things to your home that you might have gotten reminding you uh, about Silver Chef. So we're really excited this year. Uh, we think that 
you know, every year it just gets better and better. Um, we really want to highlight the chefs so mm -hmm. that when people leave there, they say, I want to live in assisted living right. when it's time because the food is excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. So one more time, will you just tell me again the date and how to get tickets for Silver Chef? Absolutely. It's October 22nd from noon to 3, and you can get um, tickets by going to our website, stlukeshometucson.org. 520-526-2035. If you just Google St. Luke's Home, you'll get to our website and be able to purchase tickets. Wonderful. Well, before we wrap up today, I just would like to hear what opportunities there are for people to get involved with St. Luke's Home. Do you have volunteer opportunities? And as you mentioned, you do your fundraising to help with your care. So what are ways that people can donate or things? So there is, uh, you can always donate by going to our website, stlukeshometucson.org. Um, and we always are taking donations. We are you know, entering into this renovations, mm -hmm. and we have a major gift campaign that we're asking people to donate to. But you can donate for any purpose at any time. We also are a tax credit property. So if you donate at the end of the year, you, you get all that money yeah. back in your taxes, and we are a great place to do that with. We, we do, we are open to volunteers now. It's mm -hmm. been a while, yes. uh, but we are open now. We have great volunteers uh, for Silver Chef. But we also need volunteers to come into the community. We need volunteers to cover our front desk. We need volunteers to hang out with the, with the residents, to do activities, to, to be part of the community. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, the best way is to go to the website. Uh, Britt Wayland is our activities and volunteer coordinator. Um, so she is the person to contact at St. Luke's. But if you just call St. Luke's or go to our website, you'll find a way uh, to uh, click the volunteer button, and there's information available there. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, in closing, will you both share with me what you really just want people to know about St. Luke's Home? I think what I would want to say to anyone is that St. Luke's is an exceptionally fine place to live and worth supporting in whatever way they can with money donations or volunteer and time. I think sometimes in bigger, fancier kind of places, there's a certain ambivalence about that. But with St. Luke's, the need is real, but, but it's a, worth, a worthwhile mm -hmm. uh, thing that people are doing when they help out. And I'll just, you know, end by saying uh, St. Luke's has my heart for a very long time. I, I'm a social worker. Um, I became a social worker in this community um, in the mid-'80s, and it was one of the only places that I could refer people, uh, especially women at that time, who had no place else to go. Mm -hmm. And when I knew they were going to St. Luke's, I knew they were going to be happy. Uh, we have people that have lived there. We have a woman who lived there during the last renovation, which was 22 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, so for many of us, we think, you know, those years that we are going to be in assisted living, it's going to be at the end of our life. Well, maybe and maybe not. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, we all have elders in our life. We all have older adults that we love. Um, and St. Luke's is a great place for people to live, to be. It is, you know, everything that comes into St. Luke's goes back to mm -hmm. supporting St. Luke's because we are a nonprofit. And, you know, because we have been there as long as we have, uh, we believe that we can be sustainable for another 100 years. Absolutely. Well, one more time, you just state again uh, the best way to get in contact with St. Luke's Home. Sure. Through the website, 
St. Luke's Home Tucson.org and to buy tickets, 520-526-2035. And I hope to see you all at Silver Chef. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We'll have some fun. That was Terry Waldman, Executive Director of St. Luke's Home. I was also joined today by Marilyn Gustin, a resident at St. Luke's. I'm Mary, and you've been listening to Lifestyle Tucson. If you're part of a nonprofit group or organization that would like to be featured in an upcoming episode of our Lifestyle Tucson program, reach out to me, Mary, by email, publicaffairs at azlotus.com. That is publicaffairs, all one word, at azlotus.com. For more information or to listen back to something you may have missed, go to the Sunday Mornings page at mixfm.com, kfma.com, klpx.com, or espntucson.com.